Welcome to Revealed Truth, the audio outreach ministry of Moores Creek Baptist Church. I am Pastor Roger Barnes, and I invite you now to join me as we open the Bible, God's Revealed Truth. This morning as we approach the throne of grace through the Word of God, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, going to be looking into the 22nd verse. As you turn there, I was happened to think as, as Johnny was singing that there are many storms raging around us in life. And if there is definitely one place that there is a storm raging in our culture today, in our society today, it is a storm in marriage. The storm that is raging in marriage as the world comes up with its own philosophies and thoughts about what marriage is. That marriage is no longer just a union between one man and one woman. That uh, marriage is, is uh, open to anybody and anyone that says they love each other. As, as marriage now has become more than just a union. It's become almost that we have a trial run and we live together first to see if we can work things out. And, and we no longer seek God's face in, in that maid. And, and marriage is so flipped upside down that it's brought into the picture the taking of life through abortion. That's where it started was with marriage. It led from there into the other cruel and unusual things that we do because of our philosophy about marriage. So if there is a storm in our culture today and in our life today, it is about marriage. This morning, we're going to take a look at getting back to the creation of marriage in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you found Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, stand with me in the honor of reading of God's word. And let's look at this passage and see how far we can get along this morning. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Reads like this, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Father, this morning, we're opening a very difficult passage of Scripture. The reason being is because the entire world around us says this is wrong. Yet your word is true. There's not a single word there that doesn't speak truth. So this morning, Father, as we look at this truth, let us see it through the lens of yours through the Bible. Let us understand your heart. And to do that, Father, I ask that you make very little of me, very much of yourself, that you may be glorified this morning. 
This we pray in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, if you've been with us, you know that Paul's been giving us instruction on how to live in the light of who we are in Christ. He went through the first three chapters of Ephesians explaining who we were. He started in that fourth chapter saying, here's how you are to walk. If you remember, he said this, you are to walk worthy of your calling. You're to walk worthy of your calling. Then he, he went through several examples building up this. If you remember, he said a worthy walk points others to Christ. And he said a walk of unity within the church would illuminate the unity of, of God and of the gospel. And then he said that a, a spiritual walk, a spiritual giftedness walk, using those things that God has blessed us with, would illustrate the power of God to the world. Then he said this walk of newness, because we're a new creation when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He said this walk of newness in your, your new life would show the redemption of God to the world. Then he said this is walk of love. He said this walk of love... This walk of love will show the world God's grace. Aren't you glad for God's grace this morning? Then he said that there's also this walk of light. This being the shining light in a very dark world. And who would say that this world could get any darker? It's as dark as it's been in my 51 years. But he says this, this walk of light will show the world the truth of God. Then he said we had this wisdom walk. This walk of wisdom would show the world the sovereignty of God. His control over all things. Now Paul had gone through those walks and, and all of those walks were this individual walk that we have. Now Paul turns his attention to this walk together. If you were with us a few weeks ago, we talked about the fact that marriage was an institution put in place by God. That yes, it contains a man and a woman, but when it's talked about, those two are joined in one flesh, so it's one unit. It's this walk together. See, now Paul turns to this walk together, first in the unity of marriage, which is what we're looking at. As we start the sixth chapter, he'll talk about this, this walk in the family or our parenting skills. From there, he moves to the walk in the culture, the cultural relationships. You'll see that as we move forward. But why does Paul start with the relationship of marriage? Why would he pick the relationship of marriage? Of course, we know it's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He starts with that one thing that God put in place first. Why does he not first tell us how we should relate to our culture? You know, there are churches all over that are changing the way they do things so they can be more receptive to the culture. Why didn't he start with it? Why does he seem to put such emphasis on this husband and wife relationships? Those are the thoughts that come to my mind when I read this passage. Let's try to answer those questions by looking at the topic of getting back to creation marriage. What does Paul tell us about marriage? First, he just blatantly makes a point of the fact that God has a plan for marriage. And what is that plan? He says this in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Then in verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. He lays out pretty clearly what the plan of marriage is. See, Paul turns our attention to what God said as the order of marriage, not what the world says the order of marriage should be. There's where the conflict comes. Words like chauvinist, master, lord over, mistreatment. He's not as good as he should be. She doesn't do the things I want. All those things come up. If you'll read the passage very clearly, Paul doesn't address any of those. Paul just flat out says, 
Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Paul starts with a command to the wives. Now, I know the wives wish that the roles were reversed. Today, you're more than likely definitely going to wish they were reversed because I intended on preaching this sermon so that we got both pieces together and kept it in unity. If I don't get to the husband's ladies, don't nail me to a tree. I'm not trying to pick on you. I actually have the notes here for both husband and wife. When I printed it this morning, I realized it was four pages long. I've never accomplished that. So unless you want to stay till one, we'll stop when we get to the end of the hour and God stops us. But he starts with this command to the wife, submit to your husbands. That raises a question in my mind, and I'm sure your mind. What does it mean to submit? You know, culture today has really turned that word upside down. It has really turned that word upside down. Let's look at what it meant in the day and time that it was written because it's important to keep all things in context. Remember, there's three things important about understanding God's word and studying God's word. It's context, context, context. All three things need to be put into context. What did it mean when that word was chosen by the Holy Spirit to be penned by Paul when he wrote, when he said, Wives, who potasso your own husbands? The word that was used there is this word, hupotasso. It's actually a word that comes from the military. It's this military type word. Well, when I said that, immediately you thought, see, here we go. We got a general and we got the privates. That's the way. That's not what the word meant. See, the word that was used there, that uh, hupotasso, that word, it's a military word, yes, but it describes the willing acceptance of authority placed over a person in the military. Think about it for a minute. What if all the privates, all the captains, all the sergeants thought that they should be the general when they hit the battlefield? What if when the general came out and said, okay, guys, line up, we're going to advance. They went, what do you think? You think we should advance? I don't really know that we should advance. If you looked across, what do you say? We just don't go because, you know, I don't want to advance. How effective would our military be? Now, Yes, the general holds a higher rank, but let me ask you this. And I don't know if you've met many generals. Unfortunately, I get to meet them on a daily basis. How many of those generals you think could still climb inside the tank and fire it off? Or get into the plane and fly it? Or yield the weapon to go into force without those guys? No, most times... The general is in the position of understanding the bigger picture. He's been placed in authority over the whole army, over the whole navy, or over the whole Marine Corps, whatever it may be. And he's looking at the big picture and what is best to be done. And when he gives instructions, the hupatasso of those that are under his command says, he's placed in authority. I willingly accept the fact that he's in charge and I will do what he has asked because it's best for the bigger picture. So it's this, it's this military word. It means, if you want to cut it down to something really short and sweet, it means to willingly place yourself under one's authority. As you ask the question, what does it mean? I think it also should be asked, what does it not mean? Because our culture today doesn't tell you what it means. It tries to push a meaning that doesn't apply to the word submit. What does it mean? I just made a couple of notes. Most often, as a matter of fact, when I talk with someone about submission, whether it be husband and wife or congregation and pastor or a boss and employee, whatever this culture of submission may be, 
whenever you ask and you talk with someone about that, most often they actually give you a definition for the word that doesn't apply to the word. They actually give you a, a definition for the word obey in most cases. Do you realize the word obey and the word submit are not the same word? Do you realize that? Because if you think about it, most often willing submission is confused with this commanded obedience. It's confused with commanded obedience. See, obedience comes at the command of the one in authority. For instance, you have a person who has been placed in prison for a number of years to serve a sentence. Do you think he gets a choice at what time breakfast is served? What time he can go out on the yard? How many minutes he can spend on a phone call in the course of a week? Why? He, he must submit, in a sense, to the leadership, but why is he submitting? Because they're in a position of authority that he has to submit to. That's called being obedient. Are there times that we're called to be obedient? Absolutely. See, when Christ gives an imperative, a command, such as, go ye into all the world, sharing the gospel with all of those. When he says, children, love your mom and dad, obey your mom and dad. When he gives definitive commands, we are to be obedient. But that's different than submission. Submission comes at the willing yielding of oneself to the one in authority. When a person is placed into a particular position by the one in authority, in this case, God, when God places the man as the head, the wife willingly accepts God's placement and comes under the authority of that person. It's not out of this commanded obedience by the husband that you listen to me and you do these things. No, it's willingly submitting to the husband because God put that in place. Why submitting to their own husbands does not mean that they are to be the slave of the marriage. You see, here's where the world started flipping the culture upside down. If you look back a number of years ago, you'll remember it was really before my time, but you remember probably back the first time you ever saw a wife that took a job out in the world. Instead of being at home with the kids, it was voodoo that she go out and work. That's the husband's job. Do you also understand that's a misreading of Scripture? It does say the husband is to provide, but it never says he's to be the only provider, by the way. But do you remember when, if you look back in ads, say from the 30s or the 40s, if you look back at ads from the 30s or the 40s and there was a, a picture of a woman in the ad, what would she most likely be doing? Hanging out the laundry or cooking supper? When you look at ads with women in it today, what are they doing? Wearing very little clothing, trying to convince you that a bathing suit makes a car drive better. <laughs> Am I telling a story? But do you see how the culture takes something that could be a hot button and uses it against you? And see, wives submitting to their husbands does not mean that they're the only ones that can cook supper. Is my wife in the nursery? I hope she doesn't have the microphone on. If my wife was the only one to cook at the house, I'd look like Johnny. 
My wife can cook wonderfully. It's a wonderful cook, but has absolutely zero desire to do it. She just doesn't like it, which works out really well for us. Because guess what I love to do? I love to cook. I've had some of you over to my house to eat, and I cooked. I love to cook. Absolutely love to cook. Don't necessarily like to vacuum, but I do because Wendy can't, because she hurt her back in an automobile accident, and one day vacuuming the floor, and four days I'll have to put up with getting her in and out of a chair. So I do those things. You know, it's not about the thing that I'm doing. It's about the why behind it. You see, she submits to me because that's what God said, and I don't lord over her because, as you notice by verse 25, he didn't say, husband, Lord over your wife. He said, husband, love your wife. And you see, the husband and wife have been created equal in the image of God. If you remember, it says there is no Jew or Gentile. There is no, there is no male or female. There is no master slave. It says when God created man and woman, they were both created in what? His image. They were both created in his image. There is no man is greater than woman. When God looks down, he says, they are both mine. They are both created in my image. Yet, in his sovereignty, he said there has to be an order. And he chose that order. See, neither the husband nor the wife is to be the master or the slave. Is there any way I could write you a list of how your marriage should go and who should do what duties? Absolutely not. Because each marriage is led by the Holy Spirit, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to be the most beautiful picture of God that it can be. Is the husband going to be the dad that stays home with the kids while the wife works sometimes? Yes. If God's led you in that direction, you follow God's leadership. Is the wife going to be the one who stays home sometimes and cooks dinner while the husband goes out and works? Absolutely. If God leads you in that direction, that's fine. But is it the man's right to demand that of his wife? No. Is it the wife's right to refuse to do what's best for her husband? No. If you remember, the Bible goes on to say, be careful. And this is used in a different context we won't get into this morning. But it says, husband's your body is not yours. Wife, your body is not yours. They're each other's. Why? Because you're one flesh. You're to do that which is best for the unity of the marriage. You see, yet even though God has not made man the master and wife the slave, he did set order. Have you noticed that everything in God's creation has order? Do you know that you, in just a few days, are going to be able to step outside in the middle of the day and see the sun go out? Did you realize that? Does it happen every year? How often does it happen? Does anybody know? Whatever you said would work for me because I don't know. But I do know this. It doesn't happen every year, but it does happen on a certain time schedule. Do you know you can step outside tonight, and if you have a nice camera, you can take a picture of the stars in the sky if it's clear, and you can print that picture off and put it up on your fridge, and next year... Next year, on this date, you can go outside with that picture and hold it up and look in the same direction in the sky, and it's going to look the exact same. Yet if you go six months from now, it's not going to look the same. Why is that? Because God set an order 
to his universe. Before we ever came out with these phones and GPS, when the guys would sail, as Johnny was singing about, these, these boats across the open sea, have you ever wondered? When they got on the Mayflower flower, on the opposite side of the ocean to sail over here, you do realize they didn't have GPS. You do realize that, right? You do realize there wasn't even a map, was there? Matter of fact, what did they really think? The earth was flat. If you sailed far enough, you were going to fall off. Yet they were able to get on a boat on the other side of the world and sail a line across the ocean. How did they do that? They knew by God's sovereign hand that they could use the stars in the sky to pick a path to sail by. I think they called it a sect they used to use. It was an instrument. They were able to tell where they were and where they were going by God's order. Yesterday, I came up here early yesterday morning to write this, which happens to be the fourth sermon on this series. The other three you'll never hear. But I came up to do that yesterday morning. As I came down the road, I passed the field where they're building the new house up there just in the corner. And from over in the woods, I saw what looked like 50 or 75 geese coming over to land in that field. To land in that field. Do you know what they were more than likely doing? Just passing through. Because what do they do every year? They migrate. They migrate at the same season every year. Why? Because of God's order. I love squirrels. Do you, do you like squirrels? You don't like squirrels. <laughs> I like them if they're fried just right and you have rice with them. But, uh, but I love squirrels. I love to watch squirrels. Squirrels remind me of me. It seems like they have absolutely no order to what they do, doesn't it? It seems like they have absolutely no order. Have, have you ever watched them when fall comes? You watch them when fall comes. They, they go up and down the tree. You see them go up the tree and they get an acorn or whatever. They come down the tree with it in their mouth and they bounce across the ground. And I'm thinking, why aren't you? Why didn't you? It would have been easier to eat that up there than to go back and get another one. Why don't you? And then I see them dig a hole. And they put it in a hole. I'm like, that doesn't make much sense. Why would you get it out of the tree and put it in a hole? Why don't you eat it? It'd be like saying, hey, I'm going to run by McDonald's and get me a Big Mac. I'm going to put it in my desk drawer for the next time I'm hungry. <laughs> Big Mac would probably last, by the way. Have you noticed that those things, they never go bad? But why do they do that? Because God's placed within them this understanding. There's going to be a day coming real soon when winter strikes. There'll be no acorns to get. So I must go provide because God placed this in their order of what they do. The birds, the flowers, the sun, the moon. How many of you worry about getting up in the morning and the sun not rising? Most of you don't even realize the sun rises in the morning. I'm testifying to you the sun does rise in the morning. It doesn't just, it's not just there. It comes over the horizon. But how many have ever worried that that sun's not going to rise? See, you don't worry because God's in control. You see, God sets an order to the universe. He sets the order to all of his creation. God also has set an order to marriage. <laughs> the husband has been given the position of headship and responsibility for the marriage. And it's the placement as head of the marriage by God that allows a wife to willingly submit. See, it's the placement by God of man as the head that allows the wife to willingly submit herself, to put herself in this posture of submission to her husband as a helpmate. 
See, the third question that comes to my mind as I read through that passage, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. And it raises this question, who is she actually submitting to? The obvious first answer would be to your husband. Yet there's a piece I didn't read right then. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. John MacArthur made this lovely statement. You know, I love to read John MacArthur's book, so though I probably only understand 1% of what he writes, he's a brilliant man. But I happened to look up to see what his statement was on this as I struggled through this passage myself. John MacArthur states it this way. Because the obedient spiritual wife's supreme submission is to the Lord, her attitude is that she lovingly submits as an act of obedience to the Lord who has given this command as his will for her life, regardless of her husband's personal worthiness or spiritual condition. I thought that was a beautiful statement. You see, how can a wife be comfortable and confident in submission to her husband? It's because Jesus is her Lord. And what Jesus puts in order is always right. And see, it's just a beautiful picture of life. A wife lovingly, lovingly submits to her husband. A wife who lovingly submits to her husband is a wife who lovingly submits to Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus put it in place. A fourth question comes to mind as I read down through that passage. We saw where it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And then this fourth question comes to mind. What is God's plan that Christ has commanded? If it's of the Lord, what exactly is His plan? Yes, submission is part of it, but just for the sake of submitting? I don't think so. For it says this, for the husband is the head of the wife. Paul states that principle that was put in place by God all the way back at the beginning of time. That man would be the head of the family unit in all honesty. But that begins with the husband and wife relationship. He would be responsible for providing, protecting, for leading, for shepherding the family. The responsibility of all those things falls squarely upon the shoulders of the husband. I relate to that. My position, my position as pastor of your church, you felt God called me to be the pastor. Do you realize my duty is not just to stand before you and preach the word? My duty is to provide, protect, to lead, to shepherd you. I'm the under shepherd, under Christ. All things that happen in this place are not necessarily my will. I hope they are never my will. I hope they are always God's will. Why? Because I'm responsible to God for how you grow in Christ. I'm responsible to God for how this church impacts the community it sits in. I'm responsible for God for both the good and the bad that happens. My position as head over the church is a mirror image of the husband's position over the family. Are you starting to see a connection? Are you starting to see a connection? See, he was not only to care for the physical needs. The husband doesn't just care for the physical needs. He also cares for the spiritual needs. The husband's main job in a marriage is to point his wife and his children to Christ Jesus. Anything short of pointing them to Christ Jesus is failure. And I believe us husbands will answer for that. We will answer. 
for what we have done to point our wives to Christ. That is our responsibility given to us by God as head in the marriage. A woman was to be the helpmate, the completer in this mission. Why? Because the wife is given this nurturing ability with children that some of us men don't have. I had two little ones at the house last night, neither of which were real happy to be there apparently. It's a good thing God gave me a helpmate. It's a good thing. I know now why they don't give 51-year-old people babies. If it looks as if I'm about to fall asleep during my own message, it's not because I don't think this is important. But it's because I didn't even get my normal three hours last night. But you know, a wife, a woman, just has a way with a child that I don't know that I'll ever have. Last night I begged God to give it to me. (laughs) And he didn't. But see, the completion of my marriage was in the helpmate nature of my wife. You see, 1 Corinthians 11.3 says this, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. See in order? Ultimately, the submission of a wife to her husband should bring glory. It should glorify God by pointing to Christ who is himself submission in submission to God the Father. See, when a wife submits to a husband as to the Lord, she's demonstrating what Christ did. If you remember the garden, Father, if you'll take this cup from me, I'd be ever so happy. But not my will. Let it be yours. Ultimate submission to the Father. And pointing to Christ should bring to light the purpose of Christ. As, as she is a helpmate to the husband, submitting to the leadership, giving to the husband by God, that helpmate position should ultimately point to the mission of Christ. And what was the mission of Christ in Luke 17, 33? He said this, I came to seek and save that which is lost. Who was going to be the first people that the husband and wife are more than likely going to be responsible to point into Christ? Their children. Without proper submission of a wife to a husband, the children will not see a proper submitting of Christ to his father. If you do it for no other reason, do it for the sake of the soul of your child. Ephesians 5 23 then says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And it says, And he is the Savior of the body. Our focus should be to show the world that Jesus Christ came, not as a great teacher, not as a great person, not as a prophet, but he came to be Christ the Savior. Everything that we do in our life, right down to our marriage relationship, should point the world to this man named Jesus that's both God and man that hung on the cross to die for their sins and they might not go to a place called hell. If you won't do it for the sake of your children, do it for the sake of your neighbor. There's no greater purpose in life than to stop the footsteps of a lost person that's headed to hell. And wife, if you have to be submissive to your husband to show the world Jesus Christ, is it worth it? If your child winds up in a place called heaven instead of a place called hell, is it worth it? If your next door neighbor 
never has to experience the eternal damnation with a gnashing of teeth and torture, torturous pain that lasts for all of eternity. If your neighbor can skip that because you're obedient to wives, submit to your own husbands, is it worth it? Absolutely. Our focus should be to show the world Christ. The fifth question, I'll hurry. We're already out of time. How do we know this is God's plan? You could look at the creation order. You could look at the creation order. It says God created man and woman in a different way than he created anything else in creation. Do you realize that? Any other part of creation that had both a male and a female element in it were created instantaneously. Did it say he created the male elephants and they came back and created a female later? Did he create a male bird and then come back and create a female bird later? No. So you have to ask yourself, why then did he not create man in the same way? See, mankind was to be different. And remember, God has a purpose. God has a purpose in everything he does. 1 Timothy 2.13 tells us, For Adam was formed first, then Eve. 1 Corinthians 11, 8 and 9 says, For man is not from woman, but woman from man, nor was man created for woman, but woman for man. I think it's pretty clear what he'd said. Man was created first, then woman was created, and it was for a purpose. God could have made male and female at the same time. It's obvious. He did it in all the rest of creation. Then why did he do it different with mankind? Mankind is the crowning jewel of God's creation. Mankind has been given a task that nothing else in creation has been given to show the world Jesus Christ, to share the story, to be redeemed by the death of Jesus upon a cross. See, it's through mankind that God is showing the world his greatness. He's going to have a relationship with us that is different. He is going to send his son as a man for us. He is going to sacrifice his son upon a cross to save mankind. Just the very order of creation helps you understand the plan of God and his order for it. Ephesians 5.24 then says, Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. A wife's willing submission to her husband demonstrates the church's willing submission to Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about that? Your marriage is a picture of the church's relationship. Why do you think there is a bridegroom and a bride? Why do you think there is a marriage supper of the Lamb? Why do you think maybe the first miracle ever done was done in a wedding? I think there's a reason for these things. Our marriages should be a picture of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Father, this Trinity. And Christ provides He protects, he leads, and he shepherds his church, doesn't he? He also laid down his life for his church. And the church should be the example of Christ to the world. I think the example of the church of Christ to the world starts in the unit of marriage. See, the church is... Looking at how, or the world is looking at how we, as a church, respond to the things of the world. It's also looking at how we, as Christian husbands and wives, respond to the world. Do you realize most people will never grace the doors of the church to hear the gospel preached, but they'll look at your lives to see who God is every day? Every day? 
And you see in our marriage, it says in 1 Peter 3, 1, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even in doing, or that even in some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. Wives, have you ever thought that your submission to your husband, even if he doesn't know Jesus as his Lord and Savior, may speak such volumes into his life that he comes to a redemptive relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you ever thought that by you doing that which Christ commanded, when he didn't deserve it, your husband that is, didn't deserve it, that you speak volumes about who your Savior is? Just as some in the world will come to know Christ by the conduct of the church in the world, there are some husbands that will come to know Christ by the conduct of their wives. If for no other reason, is the man that you've given your life to, to be married to for life, is he worth your obedience to God when he says submit? I would think so. So this morning... We've only gotten to the wives. I warned you that that would happen. Husbands, don't feel like you're off the hook. <laughs> For the very next statement says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, this is not a command to be a subservient of your husband. It's a command to be a glorifying example of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to the world. How can you best do that in the marriage relationship? Being submissive to your husband. Thank you for joining us here at Revealed Truth. I would like to personally invite you to visit with us at Morris Creek Baptist Church. We're located at 3107 Union Chapel Road in Curry, North Carolina. Our Sunday school starts at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and is followed at 11 o'clock with our Sunday morning worship service. We also have a time of prayer and Bible study on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. We look forward to seeing you soon.